Sportsnet 590. The Fan. The gang's back together. Justin and Ailish, Fan Morning Show. It's been a while since I sat in the seat, and it's great to be back. It's good to see you. It's lovely to be here. It's like it hasn't been that long, but we've it had a like bit forever. We've, we've had a bit of a disjointed summer. What is this music we're playing too? Things have changed. I don't know. I came back to this. I thought Who you were here. This? I thought you were here at the end of, or at the start of August picking music. Yes, but we forgot. Oh, well, so then I handed this is over the, to Gunner. The reason why we got music the way we do in the middle of August <laughs> well, right now bad. is that you I forgot just, on August I didn't one. even know. I just, two seconds before we came on the air, I said, what song we listened to? And it's like, I don't know. Boom. We'll get back. We'll get back. We're, okay. uh, we're back, the team here, for the next couple of days. And then next week we're on 3 to 5 again, uh, fan drive time. And then I'm taking vacation. And so the disjointed Justin... <laughs> summer continues, And Justin takes vacay. So just savor while you can, morning show, because... We got a couple days here to get back and do it. Um, we promise, though, to be very, very dedicated. Oh, of course, we always am. I was always listening. Were you? So I was out in PI for, ooh, I guess, almost two, more than two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks today was my last show. So hello, two weeks. There you go. But there's like the what the what is August long weekend in there or um, the rare Monday show, and yes. then you're gone for the rest of the <laughs> week. That was smart. Could have just taken that day too. No. <laughs> no, it was. I took, a, I, I worked, a, last time I worked was the MLB All-Star break. I mean, trade deadline. Trade deadline. I mean, yeah. it feels like the MLB All-Star break in a way, but okay, I forget how to deadline. speak. Yeah. I forgot how to turn the mic on. No, it's we'll not that it bad. Going. It's like JD takes every have, Friday and Monday off the, every summer. So yeah, it's up. Oh, know. he's going to come bombing in today too. Yeah. Cause he hasn't seen you for a while and he notices when people take vacation. Yeah. He's got he tabs on everyone. Yeah. It's good to be um yeah, actually had... vacation actually goes through him here. <laughs> yeah. uh, approved, denied. Yeah, approved by JD. Uh we had uh Gunners filling in for a bit. You had Ruben off yesterday, so mm-hmm. it's been a cast of characters. But uh good to be back. You have uh <laughs> anything happen in PEI? Yes. Uh I ate a lot of cow's ice cream. I am currently wearing the sweater that I purchased. Like you just can't go anywhere without getting merch, as you know. Top flavor just for future references. I am a messy bassy girl. What's messy bassy? God. Look things up. It's a chocolate. Look things up. It's like the chocolate. There's Messy Bessie, Gooey Mooey, and Wowie Cowie. Okay. All right. <laughs> Those are the three like I feel popular like you gotta ones. Get three scoops and have all. Like, I just topped. I, I certainly each had other. two scoops almost every time I went. I probably ate if I was there for uh, around two weeks, a little less than two weeks. I drove 18 hours with Bunker, who was amazing in the car, by the way. Was he? Just Good. perfect boy. Um, I probably ate hmm, six to eight cones in that amount of time. That's disgusting. And it's two scoops per cone. Yeah. So we're talking almost a, a we're talking between twelve and sixteen scoops of ice cream yeah. over the course of sixteen days, fourteen that's a, days. That's a lot. It's not scoops. terrible. And I only ate things that came from the ocean, from the sea. Nothing from the land. I don't want to see anything from the land. I also ate nothing that was green. Really? <laughs> just strictly okay. potatoes. Not even as a garnish. And, no, no garnishes. It, okay. I just feel like a straight up whale. But it's good. It's vacation. It's vacation. Yeah. One scoop of ice cream per day on average is totally acceptable. And mm-hmm. if you're eating exclusively from the ocean, I mean, not that it's, it's like healthy, the healthy whatever. Ever, but it's like, at least, you know, no preservatives. I don't True. know how to tell like, yourself that. You go in there and you grab a lobster and you lo- like, you know, cover it with some butter. Mm. That can't be that bad for you. Can't be that bad. I thought I was going to get gout. 
I was what? eating such rich food, like just thick, you rich. You thought you were going to get gout? <laughs> Not really, but. So you didn't like stop and you're like, <laughs> no, oh, I might I get gout. Stop. If this continues, one more day of this, I'm getting gout. I had chowder. I ate lobster. I was just a gross specimen. I've never been, well, I have when I was really young. So I don't like, I don't think I was slurping back oysters when I was four mm. years old uh, with family. Uh, but I got to get out to the East Coast. I have never been in my Come adult on. life. I got to get out there. It's got to happen. Go every Ooey summer. Gooey. What'd you call Something it? Something mooey. What is it? <laughs> gooey mooey. Ooey mooey. Gooey. I that. Gooey with a G. What's the other goo? I said ooey gooey. Gooey mooey, wowie cowie, and uh, messy bessie. Messy bessie. If you've been, messy you know. Messy bessie's the best? Yeah, messy bessie. Okay. Um, yeah, so go every summer. It's a very special place. And the other, <laughs> other personal news we were alluding to was I... I'm coming back an engaged woman. Oh, yes, I congratulations. Got engaged. Thank you. <laughs> I know. I know. It's very special. It's exciting. Uh, I yeah, I mean, it's pretty fitting because you just gush over the East mm-hmm. Coast. So the fact that... Uh, special place. A special thing happens in a special place makes a lot of sense. So congratulations. That's yes. awesome. It's been uh, about a week and a bit. So enjoying that made it the official announcement yesterday. And it was really nice to have some outpouring that was, that of love. That was very official. It was very sweet. Was Everybody very was official. lovely. So thank you for your kind wishes. And uh, now all the fun begins. Yeah, I the fun starts now. Holy smokes. Planning a, a wedding is going to be I feel like it fits crazy. your personality perfectly, Well, oh, type A planner, I'm already like, like okay, let's kinda, get a spreadsheet going. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you can get spreadsheets going like crazy. You can, you know, you like to perfect things the Alish way. And mm-hmm. this is like the perfect way to kind of... Spin that yarn, right? Yeah. You can do it your way I because it it's be your unique. thing. I just don't want to like a plug and play. Oh, here's a wedding that you just download from Pinterest. Like I just there's, <laughs> okay, okay. There's there's right. unique things that, and everybody has it, and I'm looking forward to making mine unique. But yeah, the the chaos of planning and budgeting and finding venues and dates has already begun, and it is overwhelming but fun. Like this is you know, it's, it's very important part of your life. So we're going to celebrate this weekend because we're going to the King's Plate. And we I, are, I didn't yes. know, like I was like, oh, there's, you know, we're talking about horse racing. There's the Queen's Plate and the King's Plate and all these different events. It's the no, first King's it's actually Plate the King's that I've been plate to. Because the Queen's Plate turns in the mm-hmm. King's Plate. Uh, but I will like, you know, I'll treat you to every drink you want because we're not we're going for free. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> nice champagne one. on uh, Sunday at the King's Plate. Yeah. Shout out to Leanne, a listener who helped us get, uh, get ourselves in there for Woodbine on Sunday. I've been to the Queen's Plate many times. I go all out, Justin. So like dress, the fascinator hat thing. Okay. Well, I'm not wearing a hat. Well, I don't no, think, not right? for you. Well, you could wear like a man's hat. Uh, it's going to be a little hot, right? I'll probably go without the hat. Yeah, well... But I've got a suit currently being... It can't be, like, dark. Is it, like, a lighter suit? It's kind of dark. Justin, this whole thing is, like, Kentucky. I need that, and you're going to have to be thinking about that because if you get married in the summer Mm. and the heat, the dark, despite being maybe a little uncomfortable, will conceal... The Lucas Glover yeah, situation, yeah, no, which I know I you want to get into. cannot believe the Lucas Glover situation. I listened a bit to the show yesterday um, when I was finishing my commute in from PI, which was a long drive. Um, but you guys touched on it. That Lucas Glover situation is, oh, like I just got the chills thinking about it. It's, it's See, that's the problem. Justin, it's revolting. Okay. I mean, like... We're going golfing this week. Yes, but just be aware. Like, what do you mean, just be aware? You look can't. At the there's weather. nothing you can do about it. Wear dark pants if you know it's going to be forty and you're going to have swass. But you just said a second ago that you can't wear dark because it'll there's make you There's got to be a solution. So there's some the undergarment of two company. In your in your opinion, is to not 
sweat through your clothing, right? Well, the, the, the lesser of all evils is that the PGA should just let people wear shorts because that guy had I guess, but we were talking about that there. yesterday. It's like, it looks <gasps> so goofy. You look like us. You look like weekend yeah. warriors if you like suddenly put shorts under, on. Still, on it looks goofy on the live tour. I know, but what looks goofier? Shorts and seeing your skinny chicken legs or this guy's wet body being displayed yeah. while he I, I mean, strolls the course. It's I, just so bad. I thought it was even more impressive because nothing is more distracting than being like, clearly people are looking at you for a reason that you don't want to be yeah. looked at. Like and, That and is the most distracting thing in the world. You can't and tie a just, sweater around your waist and hide you it. You can't do anything about it. And he just like didn't care about it and won the golf tournament second week in a row. Like I have more respect for him <laughs> that he won it with the swass that he had. Yeah. Just uncontrollable No, no, definitely going to target a fall. A later summer fall wedding because yeah, nobody needs to be dripping, drenched for photos. I, I agree with that. Anyway, that's the life update. So glad to be back and um, lots of exciting things ahead. So thanks for the kind messages, everybody. And uh, looking forward to getting the plan and going. You're going to suggestions, tips, spreadsheets, venues. Hit me up. Pinterest pages. Pinterest pages that Maybe aren't not. just like Maybe plug not. and play. Rustic barn wedding with okay. Florals. Don't 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 slam people's rustic. No, barn I weddings. like that. I I like that, but some, I just don't want to download it and be like, here's my wedding. Anyway, we need to like drop a barn in the middle of Toronto. I think that would be perfect <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah, there are some. Can that happen? There's you... some like you know. I've been, I've been there are Googling. barns in Toronto. I've been googling some options. So, okay. anywho, that's life. Excited to be back. Um. Okay, so since I've been away, about 17 days, 17 Jays games. Now I know, by the way, why you were teeing up the 17 and 17 so aggressively, because you're like, that's the 17 days I'm off. Because it was like, it's very like... (laughs) That was so smart, though. It was very smart. That was a vet move, a savvy vet move. The Blue Jays are going to play 17 games in a row, perfect time to take off. mm -hmm. I mean, we we worked all-star break, and there was... Nothing going on. It was tough. We really grinded out. I know we talked about grinders on this show for Sam and uh, Gunner, but man, we were the grinders that week. So yeah, 17 and 17. I watched the Blue Jays from afar and um, 17 days of takes. They kind of go all over. They well, go want, up and down, I want, right? I want to ask you about takes because there's nothing like watching, to me at least, sports with different family members mm-hmm. because you get very like very different a wide array of opinions yes so you're watching with different family members or future family members uh is there like what what's the vibe out in pei like what do they think about this current iteration because we're in our own bubble here we're we're saying the same things we're seeing the same things confirmation bias is there like someone who's triggering everyone out there grandma grandma is grandma is the biggest blue jays fan i want to know who grandma hates and loves Ooh. It was actually funny because like, I, I kept trying to like poke the bear, like, who's your favorite player and who do you not like? And mm-hmm. she just so, she just loves the Blue Jays. Fa- her family was uh, the first season ticket holders. Oh. I actually, one of my bomber jackets, the blue satin one, is great grandfathers, like an OG oh, in so the family. Real vintage. Real vintage. The they had vintage. They had season tickets in really nice seats and now I can't afford those. They got expensive. Um, but she spends half the year in PEI where they are f- that side of the family's from and then the other half here. So watches every single game from PEI and the cottage that we're at. Family so she cottage. sees everyone through rose watches colored glasses. everyone. But she can be critical. You know, this team needs to hit more. needs more offense. I'm like, just pre- get on the show, Grandma. Yeah. 
Grandma Judy, we're calling you up when I get home to talk about the Blue Jays. But she's she's she loves them. Um, one thing I did think was really sweet when I was walking around PEI because you go into town, you go into Charlottetown, you go to Summerside, you go to Cavendish, and everybody's got Blue Jays gear on. Blue Jays hats, Blue Jays t-shirts, and I know it's like tourist season, but even the locals, mm-hmm. the Islanders themselves, they root big time for the Blue Jays. Um, but yeah, 17 games watching with family and future families. I mean, everybody's invested. Like we put on every single game or we even figured out how to use a PVR and there's like an old cottage where you're like, you know, I think almost like a VCR. Mm-hmm. And it was sweet. Um, but we fell in love with Dave Schneider right away. It was, oh my God, this guy's story. And I'm telling grandma, because she doesn't have Twitter. She doesn't understand. I'm like, this guy got called up and he, he's killing it. We were like all on the couch watching. Actually, while we were there, we bought a new couch that could fit more people. Okay. Because it was getting Gotta to be, be ready for Jays games. Ready for Jays games. So that was funny. because And cottage, a new family member. The cottage doesn't usually get upgrades. So got a new couch. There's also AC for the first time in ever. Those are serious upgrades. These are big upgrades. Yeah. We're just making it home. Anyway, we watched David Schneider's story for the two or three games that he was the talk of the island top of the like he was lead off like i'm like it took forever to get george springer off the top spot and you're putting this kiddo in the stash it was so fun to watch and then something happened and he doesn't have you fallen anyone. have you fallen out of love no david a, a little bit but that wasn't i hope you guys were gushing about david schneider because it was a really fun thing that you weren't uh, no, we were. I was okay. trying to think of when I was, because I was off a couple days as well. Uh, it no, was so cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was a cool story to root for. But it was also like frustrating. It's the up and down nature of the Blue Jays season. So when it's they're winning and they, they have this awesome story with David Schneier, it's mm-hmm. awesome. But then when he's hitting fifth and you're struggling yeah. like you did throughout all of last league against the Cleveland Guardians, it's just oh, like... Oh, that was brutal okay, watching. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's oh. not so good when you can get absolutely nothing out of an important spot of your in your lineup. So, yeah, I mean, it's... It was kind of like we watched it and thought, wow, what a great story. Like, sometimes the Blue Jays don't have these heartwarming stories. Like, what was the last heartwarming story that you had when you watched this team? But then on the flip side, you're like, they're really relying on this kid that they just called up to be the leader of the offense. That's when you start to flip and think big picture where you're like, this is the problem that this team is having. Mm-hmm. I was gone for 17 days, and my perspective of Vladdy... He got one home run in 17 games. I'm like, he's guy. Almost, I got one ring, and he got one home run. <laughs> like that's that's tough. Like you well should you, you should be out home running my ring situation. So Vladdy still to me is like, if he needs to unlock, like he needs to figure this out because September is right around the corner. As scary as that is, and. I mean, I love Whit Merrifield. He was my guy. We you're picked. justified in that take. Holy was I ever. And Honestly, take. I, but when we came on, and I, this is like my only take that I'm like remembering with a piece of me, was our unsung hero of the future season. And I was, I just had this vibe about Whit Merrifield. Two hit Whit, now four hit Whit. The guy that has been just maybe your most consistent now with Bo Bichette out. And he, hell yeah, man. Whit is just a part of the heart right now. Yeah, I mean, Whit Merrifield's been unbelievable. And I guess my concern about moving George Springer, I mean, they moved him and then he started to contribute as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I think both things have worked out quite nicely. And I think you can be somewhat confident about those things moving forward. But like for the last week, the lineups that they've been putting out there, they're just so incomplete without Bo Bichette. I'm not 100%. sure if you were on the show when Bo went down because it was right at the trade deadline. I think yes. that was your last game yeah. or uh, last show before you went away. 
It's just like what that injury has done to this team has been. It looks like an unserious lineup. <laughs> yeah, it does. It really does. It, it it looks like a team that's like partially rebuilding when when Bo Bichette is out of the lineup. And when he returns, things will fall into place a little mm-hmm. bit more and it'll make a little bit more sense. And it won't be the reason why a pitching staff uh, just, you know, the strength of that pitching staff can't result in winning ball games. Uh, because it is so good, and even with this lesser lineup, it's been able to be productive. They won nine of the 17 mm-hmm. games in that really busy stretch before having a couple of days off this week. So, yeah, it's just, it, it's thin. And if we're going back to the trade deadline, they didn't do much about yeah. it being thin, and it kind of got exposed by this Bichette injury, but they've been able to tread water long enough. It's just that the Seattle Mariners, in those 17 days, mm-hmm. went, uh, you know, they caught fire. And they did blow a game last night, and the Blue Jays are still up two games despite it uh, getting to the point where Seattle just had to win Saturday night to pull ahead of the Mm -hmm. Blue Jays in the wildcard race. So the Blue Jays have staved off the challenge so far, but it just feels like they got to play really good baseball down the stretch because Seattle is going to win baseball games despite the the downturn last night. Seattle came out of nowhere too. Yeah, they were supposed to trade. They were supposed to sell off at the deadline. And kind of did. They traded their closer, mm-hmm. but that maybe was more of a, you know, a move to look to the future. Well, I guess that's what you do with the trade deadline. You make moves to look at the future. Uh, but it was something they felt like they could uh, offset and still be competitive because they didn't go full scorched earth and, you know, liquidation sale at the deadline. They kept it reasonably together. And I guess maybe some of the players felt like a little miffed that there was even a discussion. Well, it and unlocked they something. Yeah, they've, something unlocked. Like a lot of teams went different directions. After the deadline, Angels went, you know, to the crapper, mm-hmm. and I, the, the Mariners when, have caught fire. When they didn't win a game for, like, six games after the trade deadline, I thought, what a missed. Like, can you it's imagine? It's so it's Angels, It's so right? Angels. It's brutal. Shohei. No, it's yeah, like show, Shohei, it's kind of like uh, they got to the deadline, ran out of gas, and even Shohei's asking to skip starts now, yeah. getting hurt. He's it's like, just I'm like, done here. He, they, it's possible you're asking too much of Shohei Otani. Uh, the Angels have been doing that for quite a while. Uh, okay, so 17 takes, thoughts, games from 17 days. 17 thoughts of podcast is what this should be called. Um, great to see Hyunjin Ryu back into a, a form that I think we all hoped, but like cautiously hoped for. You go undo Tommy John, it's like 440 days of recovery. It's, it's a long time coming. And this is a question I was thinking of last night when we're going to talk to Ben Nicholson Smith at 830. Like, is this Hyunjin Ryu's a free agent? moving forward like is this the last that we see of him because next year the blue jays have everybody else locked up and he's been a really great part since he's returned how many starts has been like three maybe at this Just point three yeah yeah and now i'm thinking well one cut short by a comebacker yeah oh that was scary um but i've been really happy with what we've seen from hanjin ryu we talked about it being like you know maybe like a a free trade deadline acquisition what were you going to get from him but this rotation looks really good when he's in it and he's pitching well and I mean, I I don't want to think too far ahead, but what's going to be next with Hunter and Ryu? That was a, just a thought I had while I was watching, and I was happy to see him back on the mound and perform well. And I think the entire club looked like they felt the same way. It's kind of questions, you know, he was velocity wasn't up, and people were like, "Well, should we be bringing it up?" And he looks great, so it's happy to see him back in there. Yeah, my brain hasn't got to the future, honestly. That's the first kind of that I've really thought about what. Hunjin Ryu will do next because I wasn't expecting this chapter right. at all. Like I, we started the year thinking he's not going to be, it, it would be a long shot at best for him to be contributing down the stretch, not just getting to the finish line, not just getting to the point where, Hey, I'm available if you need mm-hmm. me, but actually being a contributor. 
And I guess the biggest development over 17 days, aside from Davis Schneider, you know, <laughs> having the breakout and suddenly hitting leadoff or fifth or wherever John Schneider wants to put him, is that, you know, they found the Manoa replacement. Manoa mm-hmm. has been optioned. Hunjin Ryu after... Did you see that coming? To option him again? Uh, I We were predicting it before it happened mm-hmm. last Friday, yeah. for sure. I was like kind of banging the drum on it a little bit. Uh, but I wasn't expecting... I guess I wasn't expecting Hunjin Ryu to take over. I was kind of expecting them to yeah, get like someone happy... at the deadline. Uh, but it is, it's, I don't know, is it bittersweet? I'm not really sure. But what's really, really positive is that Hunjin Ryu in two and a half starts has given you like no pause to mm-hmm. be like, oh, you shouldn't be the fifth yep. starter. Like it looks like he can just continue to do what he was doing, pick up where he left off, what, 18 months ago? A it's long, crazy. long time ago. And I, I give him all the credit in the world because... This is a guy who made a lot of money from the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Blue Jays signed him before they signed anyone else. They signed him to big money when guys weren't making big money with the Toronto Blue Jays. And I guess if you're that old or that advanced in your career and there's no promises that you could even pitch at this level again, you could have just kind of packed it in, mm-hmm. saved yourself any potential but embarrassment. He his saved butt yourself. Off. Yeah, he worked. But and is he didn't that have to because work. next contract is I didn't, maybe, even, I didn't think maybe. he'd be thinking about a next contract. But I, I didn't Tommy think so John either. surgery at 35. Yeah, you'd it's like, like to recover. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you build your arm back up, but you build it up so that you mm-hmm. could just like live the rest of your life yeah, maybe, in, in a lot of people's eyes. Mm-hmm. But he built it up to get back for a month and a half with the Blue Jays. Yeah. And I, I think he deserves all the credit in the world because without him, they would be in the same situation they were last year at the most important time of the year where they're just going to lose every fifth day because yeah. they don't have a fifth starter. Yep. And they do now because of Hunjin Ryu. And they didn't have to go out and spend it because of Hunjin Ryu. And, and he deserves a lot of credit. And I guess the people working around him deserve a lot of credit. But this team suddenly has just an abundance of pitching. And there's only more coming with Chad Green if you expect him to get back from the concussion mm. thanks to Tyler Heineman yep. at AAA. Come on. That was tough. Uh, so, yeah, they got they got Trevor Richards coming back, Jordan Romano coming mm-hmm. back. Like, all of a sudden, there are going to be a lot of pitchers available to this team without Alec Manoa even being around. And that is definitely, we know this, the strength of this team. It's just... They had another bat. Things would be looking really, really good right now, or you'd be really, really positive about the prospects of them holding off Seattle and doing damage when it actually matters. Yeah, 11 runs on Sunday was nice. I had listened to that one on the drive home um, because it was getting uh, how many of those one nothing games couldn't you have watched? And I don't want to see them ever play Cleveland again. It was snooze fest. Brutal. Uh, Kikuchi on the mound tonight. Zach Wheeler on the other side. Start a uh, two-game set against the Phillies. Um, just a quick little one. And then they got the Reds. And Gosman tomorrow on the mound. Uh, I thought the Jose Bautista stuff was... I know you talked about this a lot Friday and yesterday, Mm -hmm. um, but it was perfect. Um, I remember that. It was 2015. Um, I was still at university in the States, so I wasn't here watching it with the entire Toronto community or the country of Canada. But all of the Canadians at school at Dartmouth all were wearing Blue Jay stuff around campus. Like, we were so proud. There's, like, a 20 of us. Like, they have a small school, and how many of them are Canadian? We found the other Canadians on campus, whether they are athletes or not, and I remember us watching these games, streaming them from someone's dorm or from someone's apartment, and we, I remember this vividly. We were at the dining hall after one of our practices, and we were streaming the Blue Jays game on someone's phone, and I don't know if it was that. It definitely wasn't that exact game because I would remember that specifically. But watching the Jays make this run away from Toronto was different. But it like really helped connect you back to people that were here, your family back here, the city. And we were trying to be 
as patriotic as possible in a small town in New Hampshire. And it was just really special because I remember that, I mean, some of the girls were from like Alberta on our team or BC and they were like, this is our team too, right? We want to be a part of what Canada and what Toronto is doing. So having that memory, uh, watching Jose get his flowers, it was a beautiful, perfect ceremony. Like you see, it's going to be a 40 minute ceremony. You think, oh my God, is it going to be too much? I thought it was very tasteful. I thought it was uh, wonderful to hear he, he spoke so eloquently. You can tell how much he means to that team everyone at the ballpark, that community, and all the fans. I just thought it was it was a 10 out of 10 experience. I uh, wish I, I would have been there, um, but it was it was perfect. I'm really glad he got that honor because he's well, well-deserved. Yeah, it was great. Uh, uh, you know, I had my thoughts on it yesterday, mm-hmm. but him being very well-prepared, he's got the video message, he's got the glasses because he knew he was going to yeah. cry. Uh, I wasn't... I he mean, still I, looked like he could play. He does. And we caught, uh, you know, Gunner and I caught up with him. I, we've had a show since then. Mm-hmm. That was uh, quite a long time ago. But like, Joe I couldn't, Carter. yeah, with Joe yeah. Carter. I could not believe how he was very nice. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like imposing, but he looks like an athlete, clearly, because yeah. he, he is an athlete. Uh, and it was just like, I don't know what my expectations were. And I don't know what my expectations were for uh, Saturday, but I, I guess it was a little different than I expected. And mm-hmm. even him being emotional is like, yeah, it's different than being a fierce competitor on the field, but it was nice to see a bit of a different side of him as well. And I guess there was like a little, like I saw that mm. at the Joe Carter, but saw it way more because it was his moment and it was all about him. And it was, you know, honoring someone who did something incredible for this franchise and this city. Uh, it was nice to see him just a little bit of a different light like I had a couple weeks prior. Yeah, can I get down to that um, mural? Down at uh, Spadina and Adelaide. Yeah, 99 Spadina. That's our old stomping grounds. Old stomp- we used to work together I, at 99 yeah. Spadina. I was like, I didn't In know. In the olden days. Didn't know there was money for murals. <laughs> Look at them go. Uh, yeah, great weekend. We got lots to uh, unpack still. Uh, we got some hockey news to go through. Um, some crazy Philly news. We've got a lineup of guests that'll help us with that. And we're going to actually start that off after the break. Uh, We'll move the A-list around. My debut A-list got punted. It's okay. It's going to be at 7. So that's nice. David Sampson will join us after the break. uh, Talk about Jose Bautista and some other situations going on. The Rays and Wander Franco. um, And just kind of zooming out. Big picture. We'll do the little A-list. And then Billy Jaffe will join us. Obviously a big retirement for the Boston Bruins. Yesterday, uh, David Krejci has decided to join the list of Bruins that are just... On their way out. So big changing of the guard there. Howard Eskin, who hilarious. We love chatting with him. I think it was like a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, WIP Philadelphia, like legend radio host there. Uh, James Harden has just, <laughs> you just when you think like James Harden can't like do anything more crazy in terms of trying to get himself out of somewhere when he just like went full on, grabbed the mic in China and he's stirring some stuff up. Uh, we'll talk with that. Obviously the Blue Jays are starting a series with the Phillies. So good timing to chat with him about that. And then Ben Nicholson Smith, the wrap of the show at eight 30, um, talk about some of the injury bug updates, maybe Romano, Kevin Kiermeyer, Richards and Chapman, all kind of looming. And of course, Bo, um, and maybe we'll ask him about the Ryu future too, because mm. I didn't like that. I had to think about that last night. Maybe sleep bad. We'll see. And then wake and rake. Did you do any wake and rakes? We did. We uh, won two last oh, week. Oh, we hell yeah. Back to back Let's keep it going. Yeah. Let's keep going. I got to pay for a wedding. So there you go. David Sampson after the break. Fan morning show. Justin and Ailish. Sportsnet 590. The fan. Sportsnet 590. The fan. Uh, 
Uh, back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 Fan, Justin and Ailish. Lots to unpack with Jose Bautista. Immortalized on the level of excellence along with some greats. Uh, rightful place up there. And he'll be a part of this Blue Jays memories for many, many to come. And hopefully for the new kids one day be watching, you know. Hey, back in my day, there was this bat flip. They better Pull be. up Rogers Ignite and watch it with I me. I mean, if we're <laughs> if we're doing like, oh, we're going to show our kids things when we're older. That's the thing you show it's them. One of, it's one of two. I think that's one it. of three. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty Easily. big moment. Easily one of two or three for anyone who's around our age who grew up in Toronto. Well, it's not often that we get a six thirty a.m. guest, a real grinder, David Bright Sampson. Early. I know what a what a treat to start our day with a real live guest at six thirty. David Sampson, former MLB executive and host of the Nothing Personal podcast, joins us bright and early. How's it going, David? I am doing well. Good morning. I'm ready for lunch, actually. Oh, wow. It's, it's nothing for you, eh? It's You're like the a... Mark Wahlberg uh, <laughs> yeah. training schedule? I am training for a 48-hour race, but no, I do uh, nothing personal live at 8 a.m., okay. so I am up preparing this time every day. What is this What is this 48-hour race? Please explain him. Why, why are you doing this. It sounds like there's probably a good reason. Yeah, I'm raising money to try to cure Parkinson's. My best friend has Parkinson's, and he really needs a cure. And we do an epic event every year. One year, we ran seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. And wow. this year, we're going to run four hours. Uh, every four hours, we're going to do about 7K uh, for 48 straight hours. That That is inc- incredible. We're just st- sitting here staring at each other with our jaws <laughs> dropped because the seven continents, the, just the travel alone, that one, but this seems absolutely incredible. Is there a way that we can help like our, in terms of support? Is there something the listeners can go and help with donations or to help support you? That is very nice. We're raising money for, with the Michael J. Fox Foundation and on my Twitter, David P. Sampson and Instagram, uh, David P. Sampson, there's links and posts and all sorts of things. So, yes, any support is welcomed because Parkinson stinks. Yeah. But uh, we do we do things to try to uh, help people. And uh, even if it can't help my best friend, maybe it can help someone who doesn't even have it yet. A hundred percent. We'll make sure we share that. And uh, best of luck on that. And, and whew, continue training hard. And we appreciate you coming on early uh, to kickstart what is your afternoon. Um, let's talk about Jose Bautista. So a very important weekend here in the city of Toronto. Um, someone that uh, means a lot to a lot of generations in terms of his Jays memories. Uh, when you think of Jose Bautista, what comes to mind for you? So everyone is going to say that that bat flip, but I'm not actually. When I think about Jose Batista, I think about him as running a team and looking at him in the lineup when we're playing against him and saying to ourselves, he will not beat us today. No matter what happens, we will not let him. He didn't rise to the Barry Bonds category where we would have meetings before playing the Giants and say, we will walk him with the bases loaded. It wasn't that. It was a different type of professional hitter that Batista was professional in the clubhouse. He was a player who was always on our want to acquire list, which is a list we kept with the GM and the president of baseball operations of players around the league who, if ever became available, they were going to be on our radar. And Batista was always one of those players. So you guys were very lucky to have him watch him, enjoy him. And uh, it's great that he did what he did. Coming back and retiring as a Jay. 
Yeah, we were, you know, the last couple of days we've been doing the the legacy piece and, and talking about the impact Batista had. And I, I think with that and w- with what he provided, it, it's sort of like a permanence that he changed this organization for the better, legitimized it in many ways. Uh, and, and that's more proof of it. And obviously uh, a great perspective. Uh, I want to get to Wander Franco uh, because obviously, uh, you know, the news was out there yesterday, but thought, you know, we should have someone a little bit more in, in the weeds on this to make sure that we're covering our bases here. Uh, what do we know about the Wander Franco situation? I know there was some more information overnight and, and how have the uh, how has Major League Baseball and the Tampa Bay Rays responded to, uh, to, to the news, the speculation, the allegations? So when something like this happens, the first thing that you do as a team when you discover it is you alert Major League Baseball because Major League Baseball is going to take over any sort of investigation. You don't do this as a team. It's not the Rays who are trying to figure out what happened in the Dominican at all. It's baseball who does it. And then you work with baseball and the union to figure out what you're going to do during the course of the investigation. Once you, once you say you're going to have one, which obviously baseball has done in this case. And so when Franco was put on the restricted list, it's important to note that that means he's not getting paid. He's not getting service time. And that's different than the list Trevor Bauer was on during MLB's investigation of Trevor Bauer. He was on what's called the administrative list. That's a list where you do get paid and you do get service time while you're being investigated. So restricted list, he's not going to stay there for six months or a year. This is a very quick pit stop before there is some sort of completion of the investigation or acknowledgement that it's going to take much longer, but we don't have enough evidence to say what we're going to do with him in terms of a suspension. So you'd move him over to the administrative list where he would get paid. And the reason why you do that is you want to make sure that you are doing right by the player who's been accused of something, whatever the case may be, but has not been proven either in a court of law or by Major League Baseball. So the Rays are in a position where they just don't know. They put a timeline on it saying this road trip, we're going to have this figured out by the end of this road trip, which ends you know, next week. But that's not necessarily accurate. They have to do something at the end of the road trip with Franco, but it doesn't mean that Major League Baseball will be ready to close the case either with a punishment or with a, hey, there's nothing to see here. What are the, is there a precedent or is there an example um, that maybe this would follow if worst case scenario, uh, the investigation shows that this has you know been a factual allegation? Is there a way that they terminate his deal? Uh, what happens to a contract in, in terms of a player situation with that? Not that that's the most important thing, but it is a, is a question in terms of how the Rays would move forward if Warner Franco was found uh, guilty of these allegations. The precedent is, and and I want to go back to Bauer, and these are two totally different Mm -hmm. issues, no question, but they fall under the same part of the collective bargain agreement, which is the policy that was negotiated for domestic violence, sexual assault, and what baseball would say, if they suspend Franco, that doesn't mean Tampa Bay can terminate his contract. What it does mean is they could do what the Dodgers did to Bauer. They could just release him, but if you release him, that means you're paying the balance of his contract. So if you're asking whether or not Tampa can get out of the $182 million contract, I don't see a situation under which he can. If he gets convicted of a felony, there, are, there is language that would allow for a termination. 
for cause, but being suspended under the policy where baseball will end up suspending him if they do, that is not eligible for termination for cause. So a termination without cause is what we call in baseball releasing a player, where if you have your contract, you still get paid. So how does this impact the Rays? I mean, like Wander Franco has been, I mean, the important context is he's like the one guy who's been paid by the Tampa Bay Rays. He's the one guy who seems like he's making money, the one guy they wanted to invest in long term. And, you know, it's, you don't want to trivialize the issue here, but he was problematic before that. He was having issues before then, or he was having issues during the balance of the season. And it feels like it would be something that would infect and affect that clubhouse. I'm like, if, if one player, especially on a team like the Rays, uh, is, you know, acting up and it's the one guy who's been paid, is there like resentment there? Like, what do you expect to happen internally with the Rays, given that it's not so certain what the future may be and it might not be that easy to get out of this contract? Listen, there's no question that the clubhouse is aware of which players have been paid and which players haven't. And you've got dynamics that go on when you have pending free agents or young players who have not gotten guaranteed money, and they're living with young players who have or veterans who have. And there's jealousy, there's resentment. But in terms of behavior, there's two types of things inside a clubhouse. There's players who are not liked That is very common, and teams can get through that. And then there are players who are what we call turds. And I I don't know if I can say that on the show, but what that means is a player who, forget the fact that you don't like him, he's actually hurting the team. You can't work with him. He He is hurting the performance of the team. And it's up to the front office and the manager to decide and to figure out which player is which because a player who is not liked you can survive that. A player who is a turd, you can sometimes not survive it. If you have multiple players like that, it can take your team all the way down. So I've not lived with Franco, so I can't tell you which category he's in, from beloved to liked to not liked to potentially bringing down the team. Mm. In terms of the jealousy over money, Tampa's a smart front office, and the players know that. They love playing in Tampa because young players get a chance to be in the big leagues. So they love being in that organization. They love having a chance where they could get paid uh, and they love winning. And Tampa does all those things. So I don't believe that his contract in any way caused a problem. And I don't believe that uh, his, his behavior, which was noted by the manager earlier this season when they sat him, I don't know if you remember, but yeah. they sat him yeah. and they said, he's not being professional. We need to, he needs to grow up basically. That sort of stuff happens every day in a clubhouse, and that did not draw my attention. If he's suspended for a long period of time, if he did what they are, the allegation is saying he did, uh, I would have a hard time keeping that player on my team, and I would have to speak to the owner because I know we have a big investment in him, but I'm not sure that that is something that I would want from our fan base, especially when they're trying to get public money for a new stadium. Uh, we're chatting with David Sampson of the Nothing Personal podcast. Um, it's mostly baseball content on the podcast, but you dove into the James Harden situation yesterday uh, on tour in China for Adidas. Uh, he basically, you know, he shot his shot in a lot of ways. He went right after Daryl Morey, <laughs> calling him a liar, saying he'd never work with him in a professional sense. I'm paraphrasing a little bit uh, ever again. 
Uh, what did you make of that situation? Was it Harden playing his last card? Was it sort of a desperate ploy? Or was it in some ways brilliant because this is a guy who wants to leave Philadelphia, and if you put it all out there, chances are you might get your wish or you have a better chance of getting your wish. So we, we cover all sports and business on Nothing Personal, and when I saw this story, I thought it was a fine story uh, that Harden wanted to trade and that uh, Daryl Morey said, no, we're not going to trade him. And then I woke up and saw the video of James Harden in China, no less, saying that Daryl Morey's a liar. Daryl Morey is, I would never work with him. And I couldn't believe that Harden did that. This is a level of player empowerment in the NBA that has to make Commissioner Adam Silver squeamish because it's so blatant and so horrible. As an executive, I would make James Harden sit in Philadelphia. If he doesn't want to play, no problem. You don't get paid. If you want to ruin our team, then come on aboard, ruin our team. But I am drawing a line in the sand. I am not letting players take over the league. On the other hand, if I'm the owner of the Sixers, I don't want to waste a year of Joel Embiid again. I don't want to waste another year as I'm getting older with our team not winning a championship. And I'm going to tip my hat to James Harden for putting me in checkmate. And I'm going to trade him wherever I can to get rid of him and assume it's addition by subtraction. So there's a lot of conversations that are going on between Daryl Morey and Josh Harris, who's also the new owner of the commanders, as they figure out whether or not they should negotiate with, you know, he's not a real terrorist, but that's the expression. Do you negotiate with players who do what James Harden did? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Embiid because I saw this morning he removed Philadelphia from his Twitter location, and I think we've spent a lot of focus on Harden, but uh, Embiid is certainly a part of this and what he's feeling and what he's thinking. And then, of course, newest uh, head coach, Nick Nurse, who we know uh, really well here in Toronto. There's lots to unpack with that. Uh, we'll we'll chat longer on our show a little bit later um, on the Harden situation for our listeners. I want to ask you about the Yankees, though, because uh, if we're talking about GMs and uh, ownership that might be in uh, hot water, or is the Yankees' uh, situation something that might be untenable at this point? Uh, is there a reset or a retool needed uh, with the GM? I, b- I believe Cashman's 26, 26 or 7 yeah. years with the Yankees. Like, Is it time that maybe the end of an era we are seeing with uh, how the Yankees have performed this season? You know, it's funny. Hal Steinbrenner tries so hard not to be George, uh, his dad. If George were alive, Brian would clearly not be the GM anymore because George wouldn't tolerate what's happening and what's happened over the last couple of years. But Hal is much more calm, and uh, he looks at this team and recognizes that there's been underperformance. He recognizes the amount of money he spent. The only problem I have with the Yankees this year is they re-signed Aaron Judge, and they thought that that was getting better. Well, you're just keeping your player from last year. You're just paying him more. And it's a guarantee you wouldn't have the same type of record-breaking season again. So you know you're going to get worse performance. Then you spend a ton of money on a pitcher, Rodon, who has a terrible injury history. But you give him a ton of years and a ton of money trying to get an ace behind Garrett Cole. So I think there's been a breakdown in scouting, a breakdown with the GM, but mostly a breakdown with the fact that they have so much money that they spend in payroll that they just are allowed to sign all the best players in theory, and then it doesn't work. So I think that they do have to change what they do. It's harder to be disciplined when you have a payroll like they have, but clearly changes need to be made. I don't know how Boone 
and Cashman can survive a last place finish. But we're going to find out soon enough because I think they will finish in last place. I'm not sure how much it's helping Yankee optics, but if there's one thing working in their favor is there are a lot of expensive failures about Major League Baseball this year. The New York Mets, obviously, chief among them, maybe the biggest one. Uh, but the same thing happening in San Diego and Juan Soto voicing his frustration, uh, recently calling out the team. I think he's got one year left on his deal uh, before he can, uh, you know, reach free agency. Uh, do you, what do you expect to happen with San Diego? Like, it just seems like it's another uphill battle. They can't climb and they've got a guy who is still young and still worth so much who's voicing his frustration at this moment. Do you expect anything drastic from San Diego in the near future, anything drastic with Soto in the near future. They better. Can you imagine how upset the players union is that the top three payrolls may all make the playoffs and the Orioles, the Marlins may make the playoffs in the race. Owners look at that and say, why would I spend $250 million? I need smarter people. I can make the playoffs at 80 million or a hundred million. And that's very upsetting to the union and very, very, happy dance time for the commissioner of baseball. But if you are the Padres and you're the owner, you're losing a ton of money. You've got to get Soto out of there. That team isn't working how it's made up. And you've got all those players signed to long-term deals, Bogarts, Machado, Tatis. You can't sign Soto. You might as well get rid of him because it's not working with him. And you have to tell your GM, either you're fired or if there's a reason they bring him back, which would be shocking to me because there's been failure after failure with San Diego and money after money spent. But if you bring them back, you have to say, listen, um, we got to be smarter because our payrolls are way too high and we can't even win 81 games. And I'm familiar with that. We had payrolls that were uncomfortably high, smaller than San Diego's. And when you don't win 81 games and your owner's losing money, you don't like going into work and facing the owner. And that's got to be the situation right now in San Diego. Uh, last one for you, David. Uh, the Kevin Brown situation, I guess, of yesterday uh, was an interesting one, uh, I guess, for media types specifically. Maybe not so much for the average fan, but certainly those in Baltimore. Uh, is this like predictable, unpredictable of the Orioles themselves? What did you make of the whole situation? And I guess uh, most recently, his return and his statement upon returning. Well, I was worried he had been taken hostage. When, when that statement was made. And uh, if not that, then I was congratulating him because he must have gotten an extension. Mm. His contract runs out. We're talking about the play-by-play broadcaster for the Orioles who was suspended for saying something so innocuous on the air that the most sensitive owner would not react to it. But the Angelos brothers are a different group. Uh, they fight with themselves. They, they fight with Major League Baseball. They fight with the Washington Nationals. And uh, they're very sensitive and thin-skinned. And if they suspended Kevin Brown for something different, then they should have leaked why they suspended him. Even if it were private, even if it were a private family matter, I would have leaked it. It sounds terrible, but I would have leaked it because there was such bad press about me pretending I owned the Orioles that I would want to get the, the, the light away from me. But nothing ever came out which means either the Orioles are the nicest people in the world covering up something that happened with Kevin, or they're the thinnest skinned people in the world. And I'm going to go with the latter. And so they bring him back and then he releases this statement that was ridiculous. Every word of it was ridiculous. It was pandering to the owner practically. And he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. So my prediction, 
and I, I said this on nothing personal, I think yesterday, my prediction is that he got a new deal during this period. Mm. And part of the new deal was a lot of money, a lot of years, and that he had to release a statement saying, I love you, John Angelos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, quite the silly situation. It was great to see all the Orioles fans with like free Kevin Brown signs. Like it really blew up uh, across all all, uh, all teams in MLB, it seemed like. Uh, David, appreciate you jumping on, running the gauntlet with us this morning. Best of luck with your training uh, September 22nd, 24th. I'll retweet uh, your, your, um, your sharing the uh, the link for everything for your, your, um, your race and uh, helping find a cure for Parkinson's. We appreciate you coming on this morning and best of luck. And I appreciate speaking to you. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you. you. That's David Sampson, former MB executive and host of the Nothing Personal podcast. And as he mentioned, four miles every four hours for 16 hours um, doing some training. That was 48 hours. Yeah, that was a a training he did yesterday. I'm reading his tweets, um, but he's running for two days, September 22nd to 24th, um, four by four by 48 to find a cure for Parkinson's. So take a look at his Twitter and uh, you can donate if you, you can uh, support in any way. We were talking to Jeannie Bouchard yesterday uh, and she was even like, she was talking about how it's difficult to be on a sports net panel at night and train like an athlete yeah. in, in the day. And David Sampson, I mean, uh, we're wild. talking, we are talking go getter. He's up <laughs> early in the morning doing radio hits. He doesn't have to do before his show, which I guess he has to do. And then he's training for something that sounds entirely too impossible for mortals to even accomplish. So shout out to him. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's, uh, I remember on one day I was like, maybe I'll like want to run half marathon. I said that on the radio and then I never followed up. Yeah, that you didn't get, no one held no. you accountable Nobody for that. Nobody held me accountable. And they that had was, their opportunity. That was a reckless statement that I you said, should have been I held accountable for. I made a blunt statement that I was like, I'm ready to run a half marathon. The one in October here in Toronto. And nobody pushed me and that's my own fault. And you went to PEI. And I went to PEI and I <laughs> ate like a pig. Uh, turds, new word of the day for sure. Eh? It is. I like that a lot. That was good. We, oh. We'll check if we can use it, but I think we have to use that uh, with regularity. I mean, it's just a word. I mean, using it with regularity. Do they want us to do that? I'm not really <laughs> Probably sure. not. Special occasions. Special occasions. I think yeah. that that might have been one. Um, okay, seven o'clock around the break here. We'll do a, a look around, maybe a little A-list, but some stories that we missed in the top uh, hour of the show. Great to have David Sampson join us early on. Uh, we'll have that after the break. And then Billy Jaffe joins us, an analyst at Nesson and co-host of the Morning Brew. And we talked to the other half of the Morning Brew about a week and a half ago um, when Patrice Bergeron retired. Mm-hmm. We're getting the other half of that show. Uh, Howard Eskin, legendary radio host from Philadelphia. We'll go through more of this James Harden situation. I know we touched on it with David Sampson, but man, it is crazy. And it's just getting worse and ben nicholson smith will wrap up the show uh talk a little bit blue jays and look forward to the philly series that kicks off tonight 707 first pitch coochie on the mound tonight send in your waking rate picks we already got one ron he's back ron and jules we're just ron but let's ron where were you i needed you all last week that's true it's because i'm on the show all right all right fan morning show justin and alish